You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. And gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I've already made the decision to just uh, ride out this whole I will match your donation thing um, because $75 is not a big enough match. But with that said, thank you very, very much to Mr. Bre- Greg Burnt for jumping in and donating. Um... It wouldn't do any good to make the appeal. Well, maybe it will. It might. I'm. It's seven nineteen right now. I'm going to be interviewing Malcolm Reed, uh, presumably, assuming there are no more broken legs or anything like that, at ten o'clock. So this probably will get to your ears at the earliest by like nine. Again, literally one dollar, and you can throw in a question. Maybe nobody cares. Nobody wants to ask him a question. I don't know. I would be freaking out to be able to ask questions, but. Just want to extend that, um, but again, I'm going to extend this match. I'll probably just extend it until we get to $200, to be completely honest. I don't know. I, I wanted to have a hard cutoff so that it wasn't like, well, I'm just going to do it anyways, because then, you know, the next time I do it, people are like, I'm not going to do it. He's, he's just going to do it anyway. I want to be like, well, I guess that's all I'm matching. Thanks a lot. Saving me some money, but I, I do want to do more than $75. Anyways, Palmer Home for Children, if you don't know what I'm talking about, is a charity that uh, I'm currently raising money for. Uh, Malcolm Reed will be on with me soon. I think, again, I think I'm going to release that on Monday, just because I want some more attention, some more eyes on it. And Saturdays and Sundays are usually down days for the podcast, probably for most podcasts, because that's when people are not traveling to and from work, generally speaking. They're just kind of hanging out and doing other stuff. But, um... He started this initiative to raise $20,000 to feed a family, which the Palmer Home is, uh, I think, one house, uh, up to eight children, and they care for children in need. And he is, he is on his broader campaign at $17,629. We are at $538. I would really like to be able to bump that up. I was talking a big game about, dude, we got this, man. I got the whole Packers fan base at my back here. This guy, Malcolm Reed, he didn't know nothing about Packer fans when, when you know, they start raising money for stuff. But so far, I have been a terrible spokesman, apparently, because everybody's like, nah, it's all right. I feel bad that I had more success raising money for my own personal stuff like laptops and computers than I have for, you know, helping out kids and whatnot. So that's making me feel a little guilty. But anyways, um, today on the podcast, and I know it's been... I don't want to say it's been boring, but I've I've been on kind of one track, and that's been disrespect, right? Jair has been disrespected, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of want to get off of that. You know, I talked about Lafleur was disrespected, but I, I can't quite get off it yet. Because, listen, a lot of what I've been doing, especially in the offseason, is just devouring as much content as I possibly can. And the only content that's out there right now is people making lists. And all these lists are just massively disrespectful. But there's, just before I started the podcast, I was... Um, reading comments on uh, Twitter posts that I had about just Jair being better than Jalen Ramsey. And I've laid that out for you, so I'm not going to do that here again today because you've already heard the argument. But a couple detractors popped in and had a couple comments, and I realized there's another person that I want to talk about as being uh, disrespected here. But uh, one of the biggest ones, and to be fair, as much as I want to pick on Jeremy Fowler again, because he's just been wrong about absolutely everything, right? I mean, Devonte flat out called him out, like, "Yeah, this report of yours, this little insider scoop, is just incorrect." Um, then he's gone on to make lists, all of which are stupid. However, his list is, and I'll quote the title: "Ranking the NFL's top ten safeties from 2021, execs, coaches, players make their picks." And I've always noticed every time I look at these kinds of lists where executives, even where you have executives ranking each other, they don't. They don't rank Gutekunst very well. They don't rank the players very well. I suppose why would Gutekunst get any credit if nobody thinks the players are any good? But it's just it just always surprises me. And again, I don't think I'm a homer. I, I think on a lot of issues, I'm probably uh, kind of in the other camp. You know, I tend to take other team sides when, you know, Packer fans get a little too crazy. But when 
a Packer is worthy of respect, I expect them to get that respect. And that's all we're talking about. And it's just surprising to me, um, the level of disrespect. So I just want to go through the list and, and listen, very good safeties, probably most of them, but Adrian Amos needs to be on here. And, and, and again, this is one of the ones to be fair, one of the ones that kind of caught me by surprise, even a guy that's been living and breathing, not just NFL, but especially green Bay Packers. When I kind of looked at it, I was like, dude, and, and granted, some of this is historic, but that's part of the problem is a lot of this is big name guys who've been doing this for a long time that when you hear their name, you're like, oh yeah, that guy for sure should be in this on this list. But Amos, one of the biggest appeals to him, and this is exactly what I said about, well, who was the guy that went to Seattle? Why does this look so quiet? I, I can never get this thing dialed in quite right. I guess it's fine. I'm not talking very loud. I got I to gotta keep it a little bit low for those times when I start screaming, so we're fine. Jamal Adams is the guy that I was thinking of. One of the biggest reasons that I said I was open to the Packers getting Jamal Adams is because not only is he a good safety, but he's been so consistently good, I think you could call him the best safety in football, right? I mean, just if you just look at the grades, the stats, the whole thing, but just the consistency over the years, the guy has just been unbelievable. I mean, he's just never been bad, and that's just a mark of a guy that you know is just elite, right? You look at the top, top safeties over the last 10 years, they're guys that Every, I mean, you just go to their PFF grades and it's just dominance every year, right? Like, you know, with pass rushers, you got Von Miller, you got Khalil Mack. I mean, these are guys that just from the second they walk in, it's kind of like, you know, when you get into high school, you got some guys that are just unstoppable. Then when you go into college, a lot of those guys are just guys, but some of those guys stand out and they just don't belong. They're just better than everybody else. And then they go on to the NFL. Most of the guys that go from college to the NFL become, you know, just guys like they can compete but some of these guys are still too good and it's almost like you need another level for them to be able to compete because they're just too good and they, if there was another level they'd they'd be the guys that move on to the next level I suppose that next level would be called the NFL Hall of Fame but they're guys that just come in and, and the NFL is just kind of easy for them you know they just tear it up they're always dominant and I think Jamal kind of fit into that category the problem is Adams or excuse me ay 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 Amos really needs to be in that discussion. And when you look at a lot of these other guys and the fact that they don't even meet the criteria that um, Amos does, and the number one that's going to make me the most angry, I don't, I don't even think he's on this list, to be fair, but I know he gets a lot of respect. Uh, let me make sure he's not on the list. He is not on the list. But it's Eddie Jackson of the Bears. But here, here's the thing that gets me so mad. Eddie Jackson will get tons of respect. I think I don't remember if it was PFF Podcast or one of these. Oh, no, no, it was the uh, the Draft Network. If you listen to the Draft Network, they still talk like Eddie Jackson is the greatest safety in football. In fact, one of the guys, at least last year when I listened to the podcast, he said he thought he was. And part of that was because he praised him to the hilt. I mean, he was saying, he was, I think he graded him as the best safety in the draft. So, look, if, if I say that Matt Coral, Corral... I'm never going to be able to get that. I, I called him Coral for like six months, and it's Coral forever. Corral is the best quarterback in college football, and he comes out of college and is the best. You know, he's like Pat Mahomes for a year, but then kind of dips. I'm, I'm probably going to have a hard time letting that go, that I got that right, you know. So I kind of get it, but it's still. The fact of the matter, though, is that Eddie Jackson had one good year. One. One. That's it. And people still act like he's... One of the top safeties in the NFL, Bears fans know for a fact. Now, again, I think after this last year, maybe a couple of them are starting to see the light, and so they're at least getting a little more quiet. But I guarantee you they will go to war with you if you claim that he's just kind of a you know, good, not great safety, which is what he's been outside of one year. And that one year was just marked by tons of picks. I mean, he, he was basically Xavier Howard for a year, right? Xavier Howard is a guy whose stats are not really super great, but he gets a ton of picks. Again, same with Tredavious. Tredavious is a guy that, you know, his grades really aren't all that great, but dude, that one year he had a ton of picks. The Buffalo Bills defense in general, the DBs just had massive amounts of picks. And so they all graded out really, really well. And they've all kind of fallen a little bit, but, you know, whatever. Here's the thing that annoys me, though. The year before Eddie Jackson was the number one safety in football, Adrian Amos was the number two safety in all of football on Chicago. In Chicago. On Chicago. On, uh on Dallas, right? Office thing, don't worry about it. I was on heaven. And then the next year, when Eddie Jackson was the number one safety, Adrian was like sixth or seventh or eighth or something. He was still a top 10 safety, but he got overshadowed by Eddie, which is fair. But the guy went from number two to number eight. So he had two years of being dominant, but nobody cared. 
And then when they got rid of him, Bears fans are like, good, he's washed, right? Because that's what Bears fans do. That's what they said about Julius uh, Peppers. That's what they said about um, Brian Urlacher when he left. Good, good, good. You're an idiot. You stink. Your bald head stinks. And I, you know, I said, no, your defense is going to completely crumble when he leaves. And that's what happened. But of course, Bears fans just never, ever, 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 ever want to admit anything other than whatever happens is exactly the best case scenario. I, I got I to, to be fair, I almost respect it. Looking at how many Packer fans sit here and whine about good things, right? Gutekunst has brought in great players and people hate him. You know, Matt LaFleur has been one of the best coaches in, it, at least as far as so far in NFL history. And Packer fans, some of them just can't stand him because, well, he makes bad decisions sometimes. Unlike all those other great coaches who've never made bad decisions. And really, if you press them on it, they're only going to talk about that one bad decision that I still don't think was a bad decision. Okay, name a second one. As though that cost us the game, right? Yeah, no, it wasn't It wasn't Kevin King. It wasn't Billy Turner. It wasn't, you know, Rick Wagner or any of the other guys that just completely fell apart. It wasn't the fact that nobody along the defensive line did anything, anything, anything all day. No, no, no. It was Matt LaFleur deciding that uh, the off... Anyway, I'm not going to... Never mind, never mind. So the Bears fans are like, oh yeah, Amos is so stupid. He was the second best safety in football, went on to be another top 10 safety. So back to back, he's just been dominant. The Bears dump him because they got to put a bunch, they got to figure out where to put their money. They got a bunch of guys on that 2018 defense that are just dominant, dominant, dominant. They paid Eddie Jackson a ton of money, which turned out to be a bit of a mistake, and paid to keep the rest of this really dominant team together. Unfortunately, one of the guys that they underestimated was Amos, and they let him go, and the Packers picked him up. But the point is, he's been dominant ever since. But anyways, um, in 2020, just going through defensive grades, 2020, Adrian Amos, second highest graded safety in football. Does he get any respect for that? None. None whatsoever. He's not on this top 10 list at all. And there's a bunch of names on here that are going to make me mad, because in my opinion, they're just names, right? It's just, I don't like constantly seeing the amount of respect they get. It's just nonsense. Um, 2019, Amos was 17th, but is still a 76 overall grade, 76 coverage grade, 74 run defense grade, 86 tackling grade. He was solid across the board. In um, 2018, depending on how you filter it, he was 8th. 2017, 3rd. I swear he was 2nd, but I I think they tweak their grades sometimes. Um, But I mean, it, it was an elite grade. He was one of five elite safeties. But here's the thing. Since 2016, so 2015, he came into the league, and this was his first year. This is a fifth-round pick, and maybe that partially has something to do with it, but I don't think so. This is a fifth-round pick. His worst year ever was his rookie year with Chicago. He still had a 69.6 overall grade, so he came into the league good. Since then, 73, 90, 82, 75, and 90. Basically, two elite years, three years out of five, not including his rookie year, have been in the 80s or higher and then a 75 and a 73 mixed in, right? So I'm not necessarily going to try to make the case that he's the number one safety in football, partially because that's just too much work, but I do want to go through this list and just kind of compare, right? Just compare so that we can see what these other guys have done. Because again, some of these guys are really good. Some of them, I think, are massively overrated. But let's just look at it. The number one safety they have on here is Minka Fitzpatrick who I know a lot of people really, 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 really like. And for a lot of reasons, right? He's extremely versatile. He's extremely athletic. And I, I, again, he is very good. His highest grade ever was a 79.8. As a rookie in Miami, 61.9. This past year, a 76.4. Yeah, well, grades aren't everything. Okay, they're not everything. That's true. But they're not nothing. So even if you want to say Mink is better, which is fine. I mean, and, and here's the other thing. I think everybody acknowledges that Minka is a more athletic football player. There's a reason Adrian Amos was a fifth-round pick and Minka Fitzpatrick was a first-round pick, and I think this is why a lot of the casuals in the media, and I'm going to use that term, they really can't get off guys like Minka Fitzpatrick and a few other guys on this list. I think if you look at linebackers and safeties and a few other positions, if you're unbelievably athletic and and there are things that you can do physically that other people can't do, people are going to love, um, they're just going to love that fact right? If you can do it and do it well, like if you can play in the slot and play uh, deep and play in the box and do those things and do them all well, NFL teams are going to love you a lot more than if you can't, especially if you're like Adrian, where I think you would almost say that he's sort of limited, but pulls it off. 
I think teams look at you and go, yeah, he's been doing well, but I wouldn't pay a lot of money for him. Because they just, they don't trust it. That's the thing that just shocks me about some of this. You have people in the NFL, and I think the Packers fall, fall victim to this, considering how unbelievably obsessed they are with, you know, uh, athleticism. The ability to just accept that some people are just good football players, even if they're not fast, even if they're, they're not twitchy, even if whatever. They're just really, really good at football. They make great decisions, and that's a huge portion of the battle. I would say that's a much more significant portion of the battle than athleticism. If you can get both of them together, that's when you get some of the best in football, although Adrian Amos is one of the best in football. And I'm not trying to say he's slow or whatever, but I mean, again, he was a fifth-round pick for a reason. Whatever that reason is, he can't shake it no matter how good he is. But again, this is, this is what Minka did. Minka, his best year again was about an 80. He's never once broken that, like, super elite whatever. He didn't have a bad year. Uh, let's see. He gave up two touchdowns, had four picks and seven pass breakups, 60.4 NFL passer rating. That's pretty solid. Um, tackling is terrible. He's a terrible tackler. He's missed 14.4% of his tackles. His average over his career is 14.8. Um, so he's never got a good tackling grade. So for a safety, I don't think that's super great. And again, his coverage grades, uh, his first year wasn't even good. It was below a 60 in 2019 and 2020, 77.4 and 77.8, which again is good, but, um, you know, whatever. Anyways, number two is Justin Simmons. Now, Justin Simmons is probably one of those really underrated guys, not necessarily, apparently not by um, NFL executives and whatever, but nobody ever really talks about Justin Simmons in Denver. But Justin is kind of similar to Adrian. He was a third-round pick, which, again, probably a good part of the reason why nobody talks about him, nobody cares. Just speculating, I don't know. But came into the league 75, then followed that up with a 75. He did have a 60.9 for some random... I mean, his coverage grade just completely fell off, but still a great run defender, great tackler, et cetera, et cetera. Then in 2019, he broke out, got a 90.7 overall grade, then 77. So basically, we're talking four out of five years, the guy was very, very good and has one elite year under his belt. That's similar to Adrian. I would say just based on grades, Adrian has been better, but they're right there, and he is very, very good. So they're, they're kind of, you know, whether it's 1A and 1B or 2A and 2B or 6A and 6B, they both deserve to be on the list, but they should be right next to each other on this list. If he's number two, Adrian shouldn't be too much further than three. Next on the list, you have Buda Baker. Buda Baker is a classic example of a guy that is constantly praised, praised, praised to the hilt. And um, again, he's an early round pick. He's a second round pick. He came out of Washington, which is like DB University. Some people consider it. He's got four, four, five speed. People love Buda Baker. On top of that, his run defense grades have been through the roof. So he's just one of those inside the box, just tearing it up kind of guys. The problem is he's not very good in coverage at all. He's never given up less than a 100 passer rating when targeted. His best year was this past year in 2020, 106.5 passer rating when targeted. Gave up 277 yards, which isn't a ton, but safeties never really give up as much as corners, so it's a different scale. Gave up four touchdowns, had two picks, and four pass breakups. His grades over four years, 72, 66, 71, 75. So good. He's been good. And, and entirely one-dimensional, right? He's a great inside-the-box run defender, I guess is what you would call him. But he's not super versatile. People will say he's versatile because he's so athletic. You can put him anywhere. You technically can, but again, this is what I talk about when I say that there are guys who are versatile versus guys that are tweeners. Guys that are versatile, at, at least in my verbiage, and he's not even necessarily that, but in other words, you have the athletic makeup to be able to do two or three or four different things. The question is, can you do it well? Buda Baker, based on his athletic profile, can do a lot of stuff. Heck, you can put him off the edge, which apparently they have. They've sent him 80 times after the quarterback, so he blitzes a ton. So he can blitz, which people are going to love, right? Anytime you can get one of these guys that's good at getting after the quarterback, they get extra bonus points. Obviously, you can put them in, a bo in the box or, or strong safety, which not too big a difference, just a slightly different place to stand. And then people will look at it and say, with his speed, of course he can, you know, you can put him single high and he can cover sideline to sideline with that speed. Technically, with the speed, he should be able to. He doesn't do a very good job, though. So I wouldn't even necessarily call him a tweener. A tweener is somebody who's kind of in between all of them, doesn't do any of them very well. This is a guy who has the athletic makeup to do all these things, but I think he maybe does one thing really well, possibly two, if you consider inside the box slash pass rush, although you're probably pass rushing from inside the box, so it's kind of the same position, but I'll give you credit for two. He's, 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 he's more of like an Eric Kendricks, to be honest. He's a linebacker that's good at blitzing. 
I think if they just converted him to that and made most of his work run defense and pass rush and less about coverage, he'd probably be one of the top guys. But again, um, he gets a ton of credit because he's a second-round pick out of Washington that runs a 4-4-5 and has the athleticism similar to Devin White. He can do things that nobody else can do, and people love that. The problem is nobody wants to acknowledge that there's a lot of stuff he just does wrong. He just messes stuff up. And it sounds to me like that's what teams want, right? I don't care if you mess things up. I just want, basically, they're looking for Kevin Kings, right? Yeah, but he can do stuff nobody can. That that speed and that height, that profile, you just you can't beat. Well, obviously, you can. You can beat it a lot. But we like that he can do things that nobody else can. There's like an obsession with that in the NFL. Freaks. Everybody loves freaks, and Buddha's kind of a freak. He, he can do things physically that other people can't do, and people love that. Give me Adrian over Buddha Baker 10 times out of 10. At four, you have Jamal Adams. That's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Now, granted, the dude fell off in, in Seattle, so something's not working out there. I don't know if it's just the, the defense or whatever, but and I guess it is somewhat of a small sample size because he's only had four years, and his rookie year was a little shaky, but... I mean, the guy was basically elite two years back-to-back, right? If you just scrap the rookie seasons, which I think is fair, the guy was an 89.8 and an 88. So he's right there at elite back-to-back years. Then he goes to Seattle, and they just ruined him. He needs to get out of Seattle, man. What are, it, I don't know if it's a scheme difference between Seattle and New York or what, but that was a nightmare. So maybe, that, maybe that's the point, is he was so bad in Seattle. And if we're just looking at this year, clearly there's a problem with him in Seattle. It's not working. But this one's surprising, too, because he was a number six overall pick, but apparently, well, I guess they put him fourth on the list, which is still some level of respect. I, I don't know. I don't know how the, the thing worked. Because he's another one where, you know, I mean, he, he can run, defend, great tackler, dominant pass rusher. He's got 24 sacks over four years. It's a lot for a safety. They blitzed him over 100 times in Seattle, 106 times, 11 sacks. Uh, that's the one thing he graded out really well in at 86.1, but a 61 run defense, 56 tackling, 52.5. He, he just completely fell. I don't know what happened. Maybe, well, maybe he was hurt. I don't know. But he's one of the few guys you look at and say, this is just a dominant football player. Just dominant. But again, I guess we got to answer the question of what happened in Seattle. So four maybe is fair. But he's the one guy that if, if you said he's better than Adrian, it'd be like, yeah, probably. Right? Just as, in terms of natural talent, in terms of you know, Jamal at his best compared to Adrian at his best, I'd probably take Jamal. Let's just put it that way. Next is Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith absolutely belongs on this list. He's kind of up and down, right? He's, he's The last few years, he's had this weird thing. But his up and down is one year he's good, one year he's elite, one year he's good, one year he's elite. It's not up and down in terms of he's good, he's bad, he's good, he's bad. That's not the case. I don't have any problem with Harrison Smith being above Adrian Amos. I don't. If, if I was making the list, he probably would be. I think it's a lot closer than anybody wants to give him credit. And again, Harrison Smith being fifth on this list kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. Because over the years, I mean, if we just look at these grades, it's re- including as a rookie, by the way. And he was a first-round pick, probably because he's a white dude out of Notre Dame. And it's like, nah, he's not that good. His first year, 84 overall. His only bad year ever was in 2013, but it looks like he was injured that year. So you can probably scrap it. After that, 87, 85. So b- three years of being healthy, 84, 87, 85. Basically, his, his first three ever healthy years. Then he gets into his weird little every other year thing. 75, 92. 79, 88. 74, you, again, you know what's coming. Although he is, again, he's 32 years old. Uh, 32 and a half. So we'll see. At some point, this is going to end. But he, he's just, you want to talk about not only dominant, but dominant for a long time. I think Harrison probably wins that prize. I don't know if there's any current safety who's been as good for as long as Harrison Smith. So yeah, if, if Vikings fans, if you want to jump on this train with me real quick in terms of guys that are massively underrated, I'll let you cut to the front of the line, all right? Because Adrian is under, I mean, again, Harrison's getting respect because he's on this list, but he should clearly be a lot higher than this. Then at number six, you got the one guy that I, I just, I can't, he's, he's very similar to Buda Baker in terms of he does those kind of things, but I just am so tired of hearing this guy's name, Tyron Matthew. And, and even Packer fans, I think, will, will fight me on this one because, like, no, dude, he's so good. He's, he's so good. I get that he can do things that a lot of other guys can't. That's not my question. Tyron Matthew has had elite grades. And maybe this is similar to the Yannick Ngakwe situation where it's just that he was so good for so long that people can't let it go. His first three years, 84, 68, and 90. That's pretty good. After that, 62, 72, 75, 75, and 67. So he fluctuates between average and good since 2016 in Arizona, based on 
uh, let's see, in Kansas City last year, he had three games in which he graded good or better, 77, 90, and 93. So he had two elite games, one good game. Every other game was average or less, 66, 65, 64, 61, 61, 60, 58, 58, 56, 55, 54, 51, 50, 49, 36. Um, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So half of his games were average or better. 10. Nine of them were below average or worse. But he's super athletic. He's a good inside-the-box guy. You can put him in a lot of places, right? You can put him in the slot. You can put him at strong safety. You can put him at free safety. In fact, he even started at different positions. It's not like, you know, I think Buddha is a strong safety that you can move around. He started at strong safety most of the time. He started three times as a slot corner and twice as a free safety. And again, people love that versatility. On top of that, he had seven picks. So people see the number of picks, they see the versatility, and they say, this guy is a freak. They disregard the four touchdowns, the nearly 600 yards given up, and they just look at the positive. And and that's, again, that's part of the frustration. Some of these guys get that benefit. They get the benefit of being a guy where we only focus on your positive, we don't look at your negative. Again, Devin White. We look at your highlight reels and say, this guy does stuff nobody else can, and we love it. And this is why you get certain guys that get paid massive amounts of money and then get shipped off a year later. Who the heck is that linebacker that keeps getting paid big money for, and then after one year, they're like, get this freaking guy out of here. He's so bad. And then somebody else pays him a ton of money. Nobody ever learns. He's not that good. They, they all think they can fix him, right? Oh, he could do things nobody else can. He's a freak, man. Some people, they call me freak. But look, for my money, no thanks. You want him, you take him, that's fine. I take Adrian. So, so far, there's two guys where if I had to choose between Adrian and somebody else, I'd probably go the other direction. And I know just about 99% of the universe would also take Minka. That's probably fair. He's not, he's not bad. He's, he's quite good. Grades or not, you take the youth into account, the versatility into account, and just the statistics into account. It's hard to argue. After that, they have Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard is very, very similar to Jamal Adams. Uh, Not a great rookie year, but then he has 85, 88, 78, and 65. So he has a third year in there. And then, so he started off rough. He ended this past year real rough, but he's got three solid years in between. 27, going on 28 years old, third round pick. I mean, there's a lot of similarities there. So again, okay, fine. But, you know, again, he's got two rough years and three really good years. I think Adrian is just more consistent. Adrian on a bad year is a 75. I like that about Adrian. In fact, when we got a lot of these guys in, I remember thinking, I like the fact that the guys we got just have kind of high floors. You know, they're just, they're not boom or bust. They're not, they might be really, really good. They might just be complete trash. Although Billy didn't quite make that list. And Preston was was teetering on that last year, although I, I you wouldn't have expected it because he's always been just kind of decent. But Adrian was, was it, Adrian is just a perfect player in my opinion. Based on production, not based on anything else, just based on production, because Adrian at his best is one of the best in football. Adrian at his worst is just good. Give me 11 of those guys on defense, and I'm, I mean, obviously, right? I mean, granted, you'd probably rather have a Khalil Mack, who every year is just going to be dominant, but I'm more than content with 11 Adrian. You know, Jair is not Adrian. Jair is a guy who is best in the league and just dominant and all that stuff, but you got to worry that maybe he's going to fall off. And I can go through a huge list of guys who have had that one good year and fall off. We've already talked about one. He's a Bears safety. But also, I think Tredavious White, again, he had one elite year and then he didn't really, he keeps getting credit, but he never really replicated that one year. There's there's other guys too. Oh, Jalen, outside of this one past year where he was really dominant. Jalen had one really good year and then fell off. I would say more often than not, guys that are that dominant fall off back to being good rather than staying really high up, which is why I said I kind of expect him to, to decline. And if he doesn't, that's a massive feat and the whole rest of the world needs to be on notice because it's a very rare thing for a corner to dominate back-to-back years. It's happened, but it's, that's a whole other category. Same thing I said about Zedarius, right? It's one thing to do it once, and, and what he did once was something that a lot of guys will never do. But if he can do it back-to-back years, you know, it's, it's, it's a feat that just about nobody does. And he didn't do it again. So fine, Kevin Byard, yep, he's good, fine. Better than Adrian? I don't know about that, but whatever. Then they put John Johnson, another guy that's completely unknown. Uh, Third-round pick, 4-6-1 speed. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, 
I, I absolutely would put him on this. I mean, he did have one bad year, but it looks like he was injured, and that was at, in L.A. He's now a uh, he's now a, a Cleveland Brown. He's another guy that I think teams just disrespect. Reminds me of uh, who's the slot guy in Chicago that never really got any playing time. He went off to Denver and is just continuing to dominate in the slot. One of the best slot guys in football. I don't I don't understand. But occasionally you get a, like a number three safety that's just dominant, and they're like, eh, we got a lot of people to pay. We don't want to pay you. But John Johnson seems to be that guy, 81 overall, 83. He was injured in 2019 and then 85. Uh, if you want to talk about when he's healthy, which is a phrase I hate, but when he's healthy, he is probably one of the best safeties in football. So again, if you want to put John Johnson, who's only 26 on this list ahead of Adrian, I'm probably fine with that. Now, again, he doesn't get a lot of the flashy stats. He's not a pass rusher. He doesn't do it. He's never had a sack. So that's going to upset a lot of people. Probably a somewhat of a lack of versatility in that regard, right? He can just cover and tackle. Oh, so boring. 81 run defense grade, 85.7 tackling grade, 6.5 uh, missed tackle percentage. So he's a much better tackler than a lot of the other guys we've talked about. 86.6 coverage grade. So yeah, he can just cover and just tackle. Ugh. At 4.61 speed, so he's not like a speed demon to the outside. People can probably get around him once in a while. So that's going to annoy people. But again, he's just a guy that just wins, right? It's like it, maybe it shouldn't work because he only has 4'6'1 speed. He's only six foot 209. There's nothing special about him, but he does a really good job on a consistent basis. Give me a John Johnson or an Adrian Amos over these, you know, Buddha Bakers any day of the week. And I don't mind having a Buddha as a, uh, as a compliment. Like for the Packers as a number three, I would love to have that because we already got Savage and we already got Adrian. You put him in the box to just fly around the field and blitz a ton? Heck yeah. As a number three, yes. But he's basically going to be a linebacker. After that, they got Derwin James. Derwin James has been plagued by injuries. He did have a very, very good rookie year. And then you got Jesse Bates, who right out of the gate has been unbelievable. Um, he's, he's potentially going to be one of the best in football. However, I don't think I put him... He wasn't back-to-back. I lied about that. I don't think I would put him above Adrian, partially because of a limited sample size. Also, 2019, he fell off. So he had a great rookie year. I missed that middle year where he fell off, but then this year, 90.1. I think he, he, was, he was up there with the top safety. So he deserves credit. He doesn't deserve the same amount of credit. Adrian's had 90s. He's had multiple 90s. Where's his respect? I just, again, I just, I don't get it. The only thing I can think, and again, every time, especially they do these where they interview coaches and executives and those kinds of things, the only thing I can think is the Packers are like the, the guys that, don't get invited to the office party. The Packers are, if we're talking about the office, even though, granted, she did get invited to a lot of the parties, they would be kind of like Angela. They're kind of snobby. They kind of keep to themselves. You know, the, a lot of these guys, they're, again, we get back to the owner conversation. A lot of it's about having fun, man. We own a team. We get together. You know, we mingle with the same politicians and whatnot. We hang out. We're friends. The Packers don't have that. They got a guy who's a board member on salary who just lives and breathes Green Bay Packers. You got a GM who was brought in to just come in and be a guy that lives and breathes Green Bay Packers, right? It's kind of a secluded, you know, nobody's flying out to Green Bay to have a, a couple cocktails with Brian Gutekunst just for the heck of it, right? You better believe they're going out to New York and Miami and Los Angeles and now Las Vegas. Nobody's coming to Green Bay to hang out. That's just that's just the impression I get. And so that that has a lot to do. And and you know, again, you look at for example, I know we're talking about the Bucks now, but uh what was his his name uh one of those big mouth commentators uh I can I can't get Skip out of my head. It's not Skip, it's the other one. The weed guy. He just flat out was like, "Yeah, Milwaukee sucks. I don't want to go to Milwaukee. It's terrible. It's boring." Now there's some truth to that compared to other big cities and and the, you know, if you just list out the amount of things to do, but I just think that's a general attitude. I think a lot of these guys look down their nose at Wisconsin, right? I mean, if you just look at Bears fans, that's their entire, a lot of their hatred for the Packers is the fact that they don't think that they deserve what the Bears deserve because Green Bay is a podunk, redneck, whatever kind of city, according to them. And Chicago is this great, wonderful city, which I don't know how they come to that conclusion. You couldn't pay me to step foot in Chicago. I used to have to take uh, school field trips to Chicago and it was horrible. Just get harassed by homeless people all day long. I'll never forget the one time we're walking down the street and this lady just grabs her kid and they come flying out of the store and she just beat the ever-living daylights out of her kid right there on the sidewalk. I don't know what the kid was doing wrong, but she beat that kid to a pulp. And the teacher was like, just keep walking, just keep walking, keep going. We're almost there. Come on, guys. I got scolded the one time for talking to a homeless guy. Like, dude, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. Like, stop talking to the homeless people. Why'd you bring me here, stupid? 
I didn't ask to come here. I'm glad to be out of schoolwork, but we had to come here. Trash. This place is trash. But they're, they're, it's elitism. Ugh, where's your cultural arts museum? You don't have one? No. It just, I think it just makes a lot of people angry that Green Bay is so good. Because they don't deserve it. The elitism is unbelievable. And we know about, like, the, the East Coast media or whatever, giving no respect to the West Coast, you know, because you got all these New Yorkers who just want everything New York to be great. And so if you get a jet or a giant that's amazing, you're going to hear all about them. Whereas West Coast, you don't get as much. But I guarantee you, somebody from L.A. is going to get a lot more respect than, let's say, Matt LaFleur is going to get respect. And it takes somebody like Aaron Rodgers to finally garner some respect, but they will never give anybody else on this team respect. And they'll use Aaron Rodgers, who they were forced to admit was good, as a reason why they don't have to give anybody else respect. Devontae is now just clawing his way into respect. But I still think if you ask somebody who the best receiver in his foot is in football, you're going to hear guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Julio, who hasn't been like a number one in a very long time. Not He's still good, but, you know, whatever. Again, if you just put together a criteria other than, and I don't want to call executives casuals because they're not, and they have massive departments, and they do have to pay attention to pro guys, but I, I just, I, I don't know, I just think there's a ton of bias going on. I think they give a lot of respect to other guys that are that are really good, but also that they're close with. And, you know, the NFL is very incestuous. You know, they, they know a lot of the guys or whatever. You know, I, I used to work with this guy. We hired that guy. Packers don't have a ton of that. They, they keep everything in-house. You want to talk about incestuous. Everything is right in-house. Packers are very inbred, which <laughs> Bears fans can take that quote and run with. He admitted it! The funny thing is when Vikings fans try to do that, like, you bunch of rednecks. Are you kidding me? South Minnesota is northern Wisconsin. Get out of my face with that. We're rednecks. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nice try, buddy. Sorry, Chicago doesn't like you. New York is not impressed by Minnesota. Yeah, we have cities too. Outside of the cities, guess what? Y'all are a bunch of rednecks. Get out of my face with that. Which, to be fair, of all the of all the the NFC North, Illinois, uh, Detroit, or excuse me, <laughs> and Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, guess which state is the only state that has people speaking with a southern accent? It's Illinois. So everybody can just go ahead and shut up. Illinois is like ninety percent nothingness. And then a big, giant spot of crime. That's it. It's farms, flat land, nothing, boring, terrible, and then crime. So get out of my face. It's, it's just stupid. I don't know. And again, listen, maybe it's just our time. Because there was a time that the Packers were just gushed over. Granted, it was mostly just Aaron Rodgers. But you heard some, you know, the Jordy and, and some of the wide receivers. And, and so it just generally, the Packers were respect. Ted Thompson was one of the best GMs. And every pick he made in the draft was just a great pick, even when it wasn't. And every time in the draft, you had to hear about how, you know, the Packers are such a great drafting organization. Aaron Rodgers, best quarterback in football. They got a great offensive line with Sitton and Lang and, you know, whoever. But all that was was respect due to people that deserved it. The Packers did have a great quarterback. They did have a good GM. They did have a good head coach. They did have a good offensive line. They did have good wide receivers. They just got the respect they deserved. It's the number one offense in football in 2011. It wasn't even close, and the media just acknowledged it. They're like, yeah, they're really good. Guess what? Last year, they were also the number one offense. Who gets respect? Nobody but Rodgers. Maybe a little bit Devontae. Aaron Jones, underrated. The offensive line as a whole is underrated. Alan Lazard, underrated. Not not elite, and I think Packer fans are a little too high on him and, 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 and MVS, but underrated. And then the defense, give me a break. Never, never will the, anybody on this defense get any respect. Zadarius finally got respect a year too late, but that's about it. Rashawn is a joke. Preston's a joke. Kenny nobody cares about anymore, which, again, might be fair. We'll see. And I'm going to keep saying that and hope that he proves me wrong. And I'm kind of hoping maybe maybe he needs a little pressure on him. I don't know what the problem is. But I just don't like that everyone's like, no, he's still really, really, really good. I'm like, oh, come on. Two sacks? Is that what he what did he have? Excuse me, he had five. Three of which came in the last two games. So maybe he turned the corner. And, and again, starting in week 14, he did seem to want to turn a corner. Four of his sacks came in that time frame. But week one through 13, and I know he had a ton of injuries, right? He was injured. So fine, maybe he's... Rec- I don't know what the problem was. But nine weeks, one sack. In his first five games, four of them, he had zero pressures. Pressures. He didn't even get near the quarterback once, four out of five times. So I know we're, we're changing gears here, but, you know, we need old Kenny back. He's never been bad. His lowest grade ever was his rookie year, 
The problem is he hasn't been back in the 80s since 2018 when he was a 90.2. That's when he peaked, right? He went 74, 87, 90. He peaked and then just fell off a cliff and hasn't recovered. And the slow starts are kind of killing him a little bit. You know, you, you can't dominate the year in a half a year. That's too big of a task. Start off hot, please. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Anyways, I don't know. Um, this is taking longer than I expected, so let me just slip in the other guy that I think is disrespected, and his name is none other than Jordan Love. Now, Jordan Love doesn't deserve... This has been a whole episode. I'm probably just going to sneak a uh, ad in a really stupid spot, which you probably already noticed by now, because this has been a whole episode. And i got to get ready for my interview. Um, it's not that Jordan Love deserves respect. I don't understand why Packer fans and otherwise treat him like he's a fourth-round pick. Why is that? I can't think of any other first-round quarterback as disrespected as Jordan Love. Not one. I mean, like, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Nobody doubts he's going to be good. Zach Wilson, everybody thinks he's going to be great. Trey Lance, Justin Fields, I mean, go ask a Bears fan. Mac Jones. Now, people aren't super excited about Mac Jones, but nobody's saying, dude, if you start Mac Jones, you're going to win four games. Nobody's saying that. Tua, everybody loved Tua. Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. Again, four games. And even Packer fans, when they defend it, they're like, no, it won't be four games because our supporting cast is so good. We'll, we'll, we'll get through it. Again, maybe he'll be bad, just like any of these guys will be bad, but that's the default. Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar. J Lamar might be the one, but the problem is, first of all, Lamar was, was, it was not universal. It was split. You had half the people who were saying that he can, he can run, but he can't throw, and the other half saying, no, this guy's going to be a freak. It wasn't as universal. It was split. Mitch Trubisky, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, maybe Paxton Lynch, I don't really remember, but I doubt the assumption was if Paxton Lynch starts, this team is doomed. Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, Teddy Bridgewater, EJ Manuel, and Andrew Luck. Do you remember? Oh, uh, finish out the year, I guess, uh, 2012, uh, RG3, Ryan Tannehill, Brandon Whedon. The, th the thing is, even second-round picks get about as much respect, if not more. Jalen Hurts, there's a question of, is this guy good enough or not? He started. He was drafted after Jordan Love. He took over as the starting quarterback. He did a decent job. He's not an elite quarterback, but he's better than a lot of these first-round picks that I just listed off to you. And so everybody knows, even Philadelphia, which is a hot mess, even Jalen Hurts gets more respect than Jordan Love. Why? Again, I'm not even making the case he's good. I just don't understand why the default... For every other quarterback is, we like him, he's going to be good. Or at the very least, you know, it, it might take some, I'm, I'm skeptical, it might take some time. Um, but nobody says this team crumbles to nothing. And I think for most people, they look at it and it's because of Aaron Rodgers, but that doesn't make sense. That's illogical. That doesn't, that doesn't make, <laughs> that's not how that works. Yes, there might be a bigger drop off because you have a better quarterback, but it doesn't make you bad. Pick the best roster in football, whatever you think it is, Tampa Bay. Uh, Kansas City, Green Bay, Buffalo. I don't care what you think it is. Just pick whatever that is. If you took Jalen Hurts off of Philadelphia and put him on that roster, Jalen Hurts might not be very good. Maybe. I don't know. But the team might be. 
And so despite the larger than normal drop-off because you're going from one of the best quarterbacks in football to whatever, it doesn't make any sense to say that they're going to win four games. The Eagles won four games, largely because you have a inexperienced quarterback who came in, like, I think he played four games. So he came in real late, no preseason, on a completely dysfunctional team. Terrible football team, in fact. I mean, look at how bad Carson Wentz was playing, despite the fact that we've seen Carson Wentz play really well. Even he can't make this thing look good. He can't even make himself look good on that team. To assume that Jalen Hurts would also get four wins, which is what the Eagles got last year, with the Chiefs or the Packers or anybody else would be kind of silly because you would expect some better production because the team as a whole is really, really good. You got good play calling. You got good defense. You got a better offensive line. You got whatever whatever it is. Eagles do have a decent offensive line, but you get the point. Again, the point is, why is the default that Jordan Love is going to be bad? I don't get it. And I, listen, I, I get, again, Lamar, some people didn't think he would be good. I'm sure Pax and Lynch, some people didn't think he'd be good. Mac Wilson, uh, what's his name? Mac Jones. I don't know why Zach Wilson and Mac Jones get mixed up in my brain and it's always Mac Wilson, but Mac Jones. I'm sure there are some people who think, yeah, he's not going to, he's not going to be very, oh, fine. But it's not the default. And nobody's saying that the Patriots are going to only win four games because the guy's such a terrible, trash, garbage football player. I just, I just don't get it. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Again, Jalen Hurts, which by the way, a lot of people in the draft media said was one of the worst draft picks in NFL history gets more respect than than Jordan Love is getting, despite the fact that Jordan Love was a highly touted prospect. And the biggest thing is it's all about situation and where he ends up. He needs to go and sit, and he needs to sit on a team that is willing to groom him, and he needs to sit behind a talented quarterback, right? He needs to learn because he's raw. He sat behind Aaron Rodgers and is playing for one of the better quarterback coaches in a quarterback-friendly system with the best wide receiver in football, a very, very good offensive line, one of the better dominant running back duos in football, but he can't make it. It's impossible for him to make it, despite the fact that this was the best possible scenario, and there is no better place for him to end up and to have to sit. And assuming Aaron Rodgers comes back, which I think he will, he's had an entire offseason, he's going to have an entire preseason, he's going to have another year to learn as the number two behind Aaron Rodgers and get as much information as he possibly can. And in year three, probably, possibly, we'll see what happens, that's when he takes the reins. At least that's, that's the let's say, most probable outcome at this particular point in time. If the Packers win the Super Bowl, Rodgers probably just stays. But that's, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But we don't think this guy has a chance. I don't get it. Why? Why? Can somebody just explain to me why? I don't care that Bears fans are more optimistic about Justin Fields than Packers fans about Jordan Love. He was drafted higher. He was touted more. He was better in college for a bigger program. I totally get it. It makes sense. It's not about that. I'm not saying he deserves the same amount of praise as Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Burrow, Tua, and Herbert, for that matter. I'm not saying that. I just don't get why the assumption is he's garbage. I don't get that. And, and the only thing I can think of is, well, he played for Utah State. So what? He was considered a first-round prospect by, I think, everybody for a reason, despite that fact. So why was he a first-round prospect if we know that he was so bad? Well, he threw a bunch of picks and played for Utah State, he's garbage. Then why did everybody consider him a first-round pick if that's the reality? Why? I'm sure there were some teams that didn't necessarily think that, but you'd be hard-pressed to find anywhere. I mean, he was as high as, I forget who it was. Somebody was a, I think he's a quarterback trainer or coach or something like that, said he's like a top tw- top 10 player or something. I, I don't remember, but it just he, he was largely a pretty respected guy. There was just a lot of question marks. And a lot of it had to do with depending on where he ends up, which, which makes a lot of sense why some teams wouldn't want to put him on their board because they look at the situation and say, I need a guy that can play today, right? Denver, what sense would that make? Denver needed a guy to play immediately, and they, their head coach is a defensive coordinator. It is not a good situation, and they don't have a veteran there. I don't know, maybe they had Flacco at the time. I don't know. But they got Drew, what, Drew Locke to trade. That doesn't, it's a bad fit. So yeah, Denver might say, well, we wouldn't take him until like the late second, uh, you know, flyer on him. But that has nothing to do with the value of Jordan Love. It has to do with the value of Jordan Love for the Denver Broncos. If Brian Gutekunst was the GM of the Broncos, he probably wouldn't take him either. It's about fit. It's about ceiling based on situation. And I, I would like for somebody to explain, because again, if, if, if the point is he can't make it at all for the Green Bay Packers, then the point is he's, he's not going to make it in the NFL, period. He just shouldn't have been drafted. I mean, maybe, again, you take him in the middle or late rounds because... 
there's always a chance. You know, he showed flashes, so maybe we'll take a shot on him and we'll see. But he should have never been considered a first or even second round prospect. If he can't make it in the current situation he's in, he can't make it. I just, again, I don't, I don't get it. I'm not asking for disrespect, or I'm not asking for respect. I'm just saying I don't understand the disrespect. The guy hasn't taken a snap. We're allowed to praise Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence before they take a snap. Can we at least just drop it back to let's wait and see? I'm not so sure about him. Because that's reasonable. But saying the guy's going to be a bust and the Packers are going to win four games despite having a, a good roster because he's that bad is just weird to me. Has anybody ever watched his college tape? I don't know that anybody really has. I know the one time I watched him prior to the draft was his one game against LSU. And yeah, I was a little worried because he threw a lot of picks. There was no context involved in that. If you look at the score, it was like 78 to 2. So yeah, he's just throwing bombs up. And a lot of those 50-50 balls, shocker, LSU DBs are better than uh, Utah statewide receivers. Who'd have thought? They end up coming down with it. Go watch 2018. Go watch him at his best. Go watch every game of 2018 and tell me why that guy has zero chance of being anything other than trash. I just, I, I, I don't get it. I, I, again, statistically speaking, and this, this also applies to Justin Fields, by the way. Statistically speaking, he's not going to be the next Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. Then again, statistically speaking, Aaron Rodgers wasn't supposed to be the next Aaron Rodgers, but he was. You never know. Justin Fields could be. Trevor could be. Zach Wilson could be. Trey Lance could be, Mac Jones could be, maybe Tua will. Maybe he'll turn it around, Joe Burrow gets a full year, who knows. Somebody's going to be, but a lot of these guys aren't, and and more than likely, Jordan Love isn't. But that's not me saying I don't think he can do it. That's just me saying just based on odds, no, probably not. Just like based on odds, Eric Stokes is not going to be anything more than mediocre. Just statistically speaking, a lot of first-round picks just aren't elite. There aren't very many elite players in the NFL, period. How many elite corners are there? I mean, we've, we've talked about the list several times, but, you know, even a lot of those guys are one-year wonders. They popped in this year, but they might not be there next year. Or they're on the list and they shouldn't be because they were one-year wonders like a year or two ago. But again, that's not the point. Why the disrespect? Doesn't make sense. Anyways, this wasn't supposed to take so long, but hopefully we can stop talking about disrespect. Hopefully there won't be any more stupid lists. And really, I don't think there's anybody else. If, if, Trying to think about the other position groups. Obviously, if David Bakhtiari is not on a list or, you know, I, I guess you could do Devontae and Bakhtiari would upset me. I don't really think there's anybody else. And I think that David Bakhtiari does get a good amount of respect. I'm sure somebody would make a list and make him like fourth just to just to get those extra clicks. And I'll try my best to ignore it if I see it. But, you know, I, I, I make no promises. But uh, it has been the summer of disrespect, I can tell you that much. And it's it's just silly. And, and again, the record speaks for itself. And, and the, the old trope that, well, Aaron Rodgers is the only reason is stupid. They were a six-win team prior to Matt LaFleur. That doesn't make sense. If Aaron Rodgers can drag dead weight to a Super Bowl, explain the six-win season. You can't. So stop saying it until you can give me a reason for that. Well, he was just tanking. Oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Right, but, but he went out and won MVP uh, when he hates this current GM and head coach. That makes so much sense. The, the narrative this whole offseason is that he wanted Brian Gutekunst fired, but he went and got to the NFC Championship again, making, making Gutekunst look like a genius. Yeah, real nice theory. Keep working on it. Keep, keep tweaking it. You got some work to do. Anyways, I got to get out of here. I got to get, uh, get, get my game face on for Mr. Malcolm, hopefully. And uh, I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>